0: Tara Parker Pope is the creator and writer of Well, a daily health blog and weekly column for the New York Times. Well features and stories focus primarily on the small, everyday decisions we make about food, family, and fun that ultimately influence our long-term health and happiness. Prior to joining the Times, Tara was a longtime health columnist for the Wall Street Journal and also worked as a correspondent in the paper's London Bureau. Well, she has written her latest book called For Better, The Science of a Good Marriage, and she's joining us today on Amy's Table. Good morning, Tara. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Well, let me ask you, is a good marriage kind of like your premise in Well, in that it's small decisions that we make that are going to affect long-term happiness?
1: You know, I think that's actually a really great question, and that's exactly right. You know, I think we sometimes look at marriage as this sort of big thing you have to deal with, and if your marriage is in trouble, it seems like this big, overwhelming problem. And really, the way to sort of Help your marriage, you know, is to, is to help it every day. It's not to wait till the crisis sets in. It's the small everything you do in a relationship that really can be restorative and help you take a sort of, you know, a good enough marriage to the next level to make it a better marriage.
0: You know, it's interesting that you say a good enough marriage and take it to the next level. Do you think there's some distorted sort of mass view about what marriage really is? Do you think people set up an expectation that it's going to be wine and roses every blinking day?
1: Well, you know, I think we sort of are, are kind of all over the place. I think that we do maybe go into marriage thinking that it's always going to be like it is when you're first dating, which is kind of crazy and nutty. And then we also have this other expectation that half of all marriages end in divorce. Now, that is actually a myth. Most marriages do not end in divorce. And and I think it's a problem that we believe that because I think what happens is when problems set in, we tend to be a little ambivalent and think, oh, well, this is just what happens to couples. But the truth is, is that marriage is getting stronger. If you look at the statistics on marriage and divorce, divorce is getting less common. And each generation is really doing a better job. We are, you know, couples married in the 1990s have much lower 10 year divorce rates than couples married in the 70s. So marriage is getting stronger, but at the same time, I think we, we struggle with it more because we do want a closer relationship with our spouse. We don't really want the marriage our parents had or our grandparents had. You know, we're redefining marriage in these, you know, these current generations. And that's why I think a lot of us sometimes feel like it's a struggle.
0: Do you think that the reason that the marriage or divorce rates are declining now is because these are the kids of the people who got divorced and it broke their hearts?
1: <laughs> well, you know, we do know actually a lot. Marriage is changing. And, and you're right, couples married in the 1970s. Appear to be headed for a 50% divorce rate, about 47% divorced at 30 wow. years in that generation. So that, but if you look at that generation, those couples, those people, men and women, were raised typically by, you know, a stay at home mom, a breadwinner father. They had different expectations in life. You know, even, you know, women today who stay at home and take care of families have different expectations from that relationship than maybe that more traditional woman in the, in the 50s. So yeah. it's not so much about whether or not you choose you know, to stay home or work outside of the home. It's more about what you expect from your partnership. And those women expected a very different thing in the fifties than women today. So the couples married in the seventies went through a lot. You know, they went you know, the sixties was a crazy time for a lot of reasons and women really changed a lot. Men changed a lot. And so those couples went they just have a completely different set of circumstances and values and goals and ideas about marriage than we do. So Yes, people are delaying marriage today. Women, you know, in the 50s were more likely to get married before 21. Now the average age is above 25. We know marriages that start later tend to be stronger. The weaker relationships are washing out before people even say, I do. So... We're selecting for stronger marriages, so so we're seeing a few people get married later, fewer marriages happening, but when they do happen, they typically are stronger.
0: It's really fascinating, and it's fascinating to think that something like marriage could be cyclical or generational. You know, so many things define a generation or define a time, and it's interesting that marriages do as well, and it sounds very promising. But I want to get back to, as you say, you're writing in well. What are some of the steps that people can make on a daily basis prior to getting to crisis level, and then I'm going to follow that up with, and when you get to crisis level, what do you do?
1: Well, it's really interesting how much couples have been studied in the laboratory, and you know, I started this book because I was actually going through a divorce, and I was looking for information To just really help me understand, I was a long-time health reporter, you know, if it was cancer, diabetes, I knew I knew what steps to take, but with a marital crisis, I really didn't know what to do, and I discovered this vast literature where they literally put couples in the laboratory, and they hook them up to monitors, and, you know, heart rate monitors, and they, they videotape them, and they code every positive and negative interaction, and they argue in front of these researchers, and it's really fascinating research. And when you study couples in this situation, when you study a lot of couples in this situation, and then you track them over time and find out, okay, what happens to those couples, what you see is that when couples are fighting, they every couple fights, and how much you fight is not predictive of a good or bad relationship. A little bit of conflict is good for a marriage because it shows you're really trying to work things out and sort of move the relationship forward. But what they see in these lab studies is how couples start those arguments. Do they start them in a negative way? If they're maybe discussing housework, do they say, you know, you're such a slob, you never helped me? Or do they say, it really upset me that we had the party and that I didn't get more help cleaning up after the party. The second one is a legitimate complaint that you're absolutely entitled right. to raise. The first one is a really personal attack, a criticism. And so those kinds of subtle differences, they make all the difference in the world. And interestingly, they've actually sort of used mathematical formulas to study these interactions. And they have found that even when couples argue about issues of high conflict, Successful marriages, during these arguments and during the day, there's about a five-to-one ratio of positive to negative. So even if your partner, if you're upset with them, you know, saying, honey, this is really bothering me, just, you know, we need to work on this issue. There are so many positive things going on in that sentence that – You've got the complaint, which is the negative, but you've got the honey, the terms of endearment. You're saying we, which, you know, is showing togetherness. And so what they see is that when couples have more, you know, this what it means, I think, the practical application for us in the real world, not in the laboratory setting, is just remember that these small positive things you do, they count for so much. And it's so easy to do. It's so easy to say, oh, honey, you look nice, or oh, I'll do that for you, or you know, here, let me, you know, let's celebrate this. And and the the small things we do really, really do count in a marriage.
0: You know, it's funny because I'm sure some people will hear this and earnestly jump in and say, for example, the five things, that sounds like a great plan. Others will consider it to be um, not very genuine if they have to plan five things. But is it your experience that, you know, if you just... Up and do it if you just say, Okay, I'm gonna, you know, in my mind, make sure I do have five po- positive interactions. Does that start to develop, a, you know, a skill that you start to use? And do you see relationships improve? I'm not getting that question out as well as I'd like, but you no, but know. I
1: know what I know exactly what you're saying. Well, and first of all, during a con, I don't think you have to remember all of this all the time, right? During a conflict, when you have an issue you need to argue with your partner about. Just remember that when they study these couples in a laboratory, it's not the whole fight they even pay attention to. It's the first couple minutes. It's the first three minutes of that discussion. It's how you start, the words you use. So you don't need to remember a whole bunch of stuff. You just need to remember that if I'm going to have this discussion, stop, remember how to start it. Don't use things like, don't say you never do this, you should do right. that. In fact, just eliminate the word you from your... You know, that's such a simple thing to remember. And then the rest of it, I think, that what we often take for granted, we think this kind of stuff doesn't matter. And I think hearing that it does matter, it makes you just want to do it. You know, they see the couples who... It's interesting, there's a whole body of research on something called capitalization. They look at people who celebrate the good times, who capitalize on the positive events in your life. We're not talking about the major, major stuff that goes on, but it's like you come home and say, hey, honey, guess what, I got a raise. Do you kind of grunt and say, oh, that's nice, and go on with whatever you're doing? Or you do, oh, I'm so proud of you. You know what, let's make a special dinner. Let's go out and celebrate. Do you celebrate those small, happy moments that occur in your marriage? Because sometimes it's hard to deal with the negative some of this negative stuff is intractable. They say that 70% of marital conflicts are never resolved. So if you're fighting about the socks on the floor now, you're going to be fighting about the socks on the floor in 10 years. But so what can you do? What can you change? It's a lot easier to add positive behaviors to your life than to change your negative behaviors. We all know that. You know, we've all tried to, you know, do different things. And it's just much easier to add something fun and than to try to stop something that's not good. So, you know, I think it's actually a really positive, hopeful message because it's all very we – we can all do this. It's not that tough to be just a little nicer, you know, every day.
0: I, I love that. And I also truly believe the old adage that what you put out comes back. So if you're a little nicer, chances are good your spouse is going to be a little nicer, too. And and from there, the whole thing sort of escalates, right, in a positive way. So, Interesting stuff and positive message, hopeful message for for marriage in America. I think that's really terrific. Again, Tara's book is for better the science of a good marriage. And I just said Tara. I apologize. It's Tara. Tara Parker Pope and I'm going to put all of Tara's information on amystable.com but I love talking to you today I'm going to go home and be nice five times to my husband
1: That's great, that's great and hopefully he'll be nice five times back
0: I'd like him to be nice six times is that asking Mm. too much? No. (laughs) Tara, thank you so much really interesting, compelling information Stick around for another helping from Amy's Table on Q102